I want to, this morning, we got kids here. This was, like I said, I'd normally be saying, hey, head out to kids' church. I'm not going to say that this morning, but here's what I'm going to say instead. If you are kindergarten to grade five, normally heading out to our kids' adventure, I would invite you to come and sit here with me on the steps or in front or on the stage, and would you guys come up and have a seat and be here with me? Cora's trying to get them all up here. All right, Cora, thank you. Get them all up here. Might as well. I, have a, I will tell you, in a few minutes, I have a gift for you, and so I'm going to give a gift. So you can sit on the floor, you can sit on the chairs, you can sit wherever, you can grab a seat. Come on, I want to talk to you guys, and I'm going to let these guys listen in a little bit as I talk to you and we talk about the mess this morning, all right? Good morning. How you guys doing? Good? All right. You ready to help me with a few things? All right. First thing I have is a question. Question. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. What is the most valuable, does everyone know what the word valuable means? Um, important, okay, most valuable, important thing to you in your house, but I'm going to take a few things off the table. Don't say any people, because we all know those are important to you, I hope. Um, we'll all admit the Bible is very important to us. We won't say the Bible. Okay, we'll, we'll say that's all important. People are important. But other than people or the Bible, what is the most important thing to you in your house? Yeah, Nichols. My, my most important thing is my special box. Your special box. And you have some special things in your special box? Don't tell us. That's yours, right? You don't have to tell us. That's okay. That's good. Yeah, Charlotte. My books and my private space. Your books and your private space. I love it. Lily. Um, one of my stuffies. One of your stuffies. Those are important. Yeah. James. One Theo. of my toys. One of your toys? Yeah, over here, guys. Uh, food. Food. <laughs> oh. Your iPad. All right. Some of my Legos. Legos. Anyone else? Yeah. Legos. Okay. Legos. My hair collector. Ghostbusters. All right. Ecto. I'm not sure. There was Ecto in there. There was Ghostbusters. Uh, some stuff. All right. One more. PlayStation. PlayStation. One more. Okay. Joy. Dolls. All right, some really important, valuable stuff, right? All right, last one. What is it? Roblox. Roblox. All right, that's pretty fun. All right, so really fun stuff, really valuable stuff. Here's the thing that's interesting. If someone else came into your house and you said, hey, pick out the most valuable thing, most important thing in this house, do you think they would pick out the same things you just said? Probably not, right? It's funny how some things that are really valuable to us, if someone else came in, they wouldn't necessarily be as valuable to them, right? Like if someone came in my house and they said, hey, what's the most valuable thing in this house? I don't know what they'd find. Maybe a piece of furniture, maybe, I don't know, a TV or, or I don't know what, something electronic. They might say, here's the most valuable thing in the house. But I bet they wouldn't say the same things I would say. They probably wouldn't see this on the wall and think that it's the most valuable thing in the house or that. But to me, 
This is one of the most valuable things. One of the most, it is a fish, but more importantly, it is a fish made by my daughter, Bella, when she was about your age at Mount Hope in school. And that one was made by my son, Isaac, and they're hanging on our wall and they'll never hang in an art museum somewhere, unless I guess they become famous artists and here's their early work. But these are the things that are most important to me that aren't necessarily important to someone else, or these pictures. Someone might come in our house and see those pictures, and they wouldn't think those are the most valuable things in the house. But if I had to take out some of the most valuable things in our house, these pictures of Wendy's dad and family would come with us, because they're not in the cloud anywhere. They're just pictures that we have of family in the past. But a lot of people wouldn't think they're valuable. Or this, who knows what that is? a microscope. And someone will walk right past that in my house and think that's not important. You can get a microscope anywhere, and that's true. But that microscope belonged to my grandfather when he was a doctor, and he used that microscope in in his practice, and then he gave it to my wife, Wendy, because she's a scientist, and we have that in our house. And it's important to me, but it wouldn't be valuable probably even to you if you came into my house. Some things that we think are valuable aren't necessarily valuable to other people. And I think somewhat, something similar happens with God. That sometimes things we think are really important may not be the most important thing to God. And I want to talk about that with you for a couple minutes. But before I do, I said I have a gift for you, right? All right. Before I do, come over to this table and get yourself, if you want, you don't have to, and take a can of Play-Doh, all right? And then come back down and sit down. Unless you don't like Play-Doh, and then you can just leave it. Everybody likes Play-Doh, right? Come on over and sit down. All right. I'm going to invite you to do something you never thought I'd invite you to do in church. Open up the Play-Doh. Open up the Play-Doh. Big mistake, Cora says. All right, it's on me. All right. I'm going to be cleaning up this stage tonight while you guys are home. All right. Grab a piece of Play-Doh. You can pull it out. You can take out the Play-Doh and play with it. And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to keep talking for a few minutes. While I'm talking, you can play with the Play-Doh, but I want you to eventually, I want you to make your best heart out of the Play-Doh. Everyone know what a heart looks like? Okay. All right. Everyone knows. All right. There you go. Make, a, make your Play-Doh into something that looks like that. So while you're doing that, let me keep talking. When Jesus was teaching on earth, one of the questions he often got asked was, how do you get into the kingdom of God? Who gets into the kingdom of God? And some of the answers that people thought were the right answers weren't necessarily the answers that Jesus was looking for. In Luke chapter 18... Jesus tells some stories around this question. In fact, he tells a parable around a guy who's a really religious person and did all good things and didn't do bad things. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine always doing the right thing, never doing something wrong? That's what this guy thought was the case with his life. And he thought that all of his good works were what was going to get him into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, nope. That's not what God's looking for. 
And not that good works are bad, but that wasn't what was going to get him into the kingdom of God. And then a little later on in Luke chapter 18, there's a really rich man. And I think a lot of the people thought, well, God has really blessed that man with riches, and so certainly he's going to be in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, no, he actually cares about his riches more than he cares about God, and he is not, that's not the answer either. So, but right in between those passages, one description of a really religious man and one description of a really rich man, there's three verses, a really small passage, where Jesus answers this question, who is a part of the kingdom of God? Who gets into heaven? Who's in Jesus' group? He answers it in these three verses, and he says this. Jesus, Luke writing says this. He says, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's really interesting. Jesus said it wasn't about all the good works, and it wasn't about money or power. It was about coming to him like a child. Not childish, but childlike. And so what does he mean by that? Why would Jesus say that it's like coming, that you have to come like a child? I think there's two things about children that God's always looking for. And the first one is this. They are completely dependent on God. They are completely dependent. They, children are completely dependent on their parents. How many of you have a baby sister or brother? Anybody? Do you remember? Three of them. Wow. Do you remember when they were tiny, tiny? And they couldn't do anything? I mean, they can't do anything. They come out and they can't do anything. And you have to feed them. You have to watch them. You have to change them. You have to, you have to give them everything. And I think Jesus is saying that if you're going to come into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to realize that God is everything to you. That you, whatever you bring is not nearly as important as who God is, that you are completely dependent, that you are completely trusting in God. There's one other thing. Yes. Hi. Um, I was at the park, and I was trying to think about babysitting. You were trying to think about babysitting. Yeah. I hope one day, I think you'll make a great babysitter one day. <laughs> you keep thinking about it. So the first thing is trust and dependence. Children have that. God's looking for it. Second thing is what you're doing to that Play-Doh. I think God is looking for a shapeable heart. I think God is looking for a person who will be molded and shaped by him. You guys are able to shape that Play-Doh, right? And God is looking for you and for all these adults in this room to always be willing to be shaped by him. There's a book called uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Any of you ever heard of the book or the movie? A couple of you. There's one part of that book and movie where this 
candy factory guy, Willy Wonka, is looking to give his factory to Charlie, who's a child. And Willy Wonka, in that, he says this line, he says, I couldn't give it to a grown-up because a grown-up would want to run it their way and not mine. And I listen to that and I think, I think that's what God thinks a lot of times. That God is looking for a person who will live their life God's way and not always living it their own way. God wants a heart and a life that is shapeable and moldable and will listen and walk with him. All right, so let me see your hearts. Hold up your hearts. Let's see the hearts you made. Hold them up. Let's everybody see them. Wow. Show them out there. You guys want to show them those hearts you made? Good job. Just before you go back to your seat, I have a heart I want to show you. I made this one earlier this week. But I like your heart better. You know why? Because I made this one several days ago, and it's kind of hard. And what happens when you leave Play-Doh out for days? It gets hard, and you really can't work with it. It's not really as fun, is it? Lily, I think that's true. It will be preserved, but you're wrecking my illustration. Here we go. Uh, Lily, you're too smart. All right. So here's a (laughs) As we get older, what you want to be careful about is that your heart doesn't get hard like this and always stays shapeable and moldable, right? Got it? All right, I'm going to let you guys head back to your seats. Would you give them a hand? Yes. Keep the Play-Doh, please. I do not need all this Play-Doh. Take the Play-Doh. And let me know who's going to come back and help me clean the carpet. Ah, we'll get it cleaned up. Thanks, guys. Thank you, girls. Yes, Gabe. Can I take another Play-Doh? Oh, maybe. Take it back. Meet you, Kyle. All right. Thanks for coming up. Thanks for being a part of it. Uh, we're going to get ready to, we're going to, you can take it. We're going to get ready to have communion in a minute. But let me talk to you about what this means. Let me talk to you about what I think we gained from this for a few minutes. I think three things. One, to children, first of all. To kids, I think, first of all, you need to know that Jesus loves you. That Jesus wants to be in relationship with you that Jesus welcomes you. What happened in this passage was the disciples were saying, you know what, Jesus is too busy for your kids. Jesus is too important for your kids. Get away from, don't bother Jesus with your kids. And that was actually very consistent with how kids were viewed in Jesus' day. They were definitely to be seen and not heard, maybe not even seen. They were burdens, They were liabilities. They were not welcomed into the larger society. When they were adults and could contribute something, maybe, but otherwise, stay to the side. And so these disciples, when parents were bringing their kids to Jesus, said, no, no, no. Jesus is too important. Jesus is too busy. Don't don't bring your kids to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, don't hinder them. Bring the children to me. 
And so the first lesson I think is for kids to know that you are always welcome, not only in this church, more importantly, you are always welcome. God invites you to pray. He hears your voice when you talk to him. He loves you. And don't ever miss that message and don't ever think otherwise. God welcomes you in to his presence and he invites you in. And so I think kids need to hear that. But the second message I think we need to hear as a church. This passage says, don't hinder the children coming to me. We as a church, I need to ask, are there places that we are hindering kids from coming to Jesus? Are we being as welcoming as possible? Are we doing everything we can so that kids will want to get to know Jesus? It's why we have an ice cream truck coming after church day. You say, why would you have an ice cream truck coming after church? Because Jesus loves children and children love ice cream. <laughs> and some of you adults are going to get one too. And children love bounce houses and cotton candy. And we want kids to know that this is a place where they are welcomed, where there is joy, where they are loved, where they are not hindered in coming to Jesus. Why do we do a movie last Tuesday night out in the parking lot? Because we want kids to say, hey, that's a place I want to go. Hey, that's a place I want to be. Why would we invest money in a school here that's about to start this Wednesday with 150 elementary school students, our biggest elementary school ever, because we want children and many of them who are not in this church today who don't know Jesus to come and get to know there's a Jesus who loves them. There's a God who loves them. Why do we do an Easter egg hunt and, and all that stuff? And you say, I know, I know, I know Easter eggs have nothing to do with Jesus. I get it. You don't have to tell me. Don't send me the websites. I know. We're not doing it for that. We're doing it because we want kids to have some joy. We want kids to feel welcome. We want this to be their church. We want this to be a place where they say, I want to go there. I love it when a parent says, you know, I wasn't going to, I mean, I don't like it when they say I wasn't going to come today, but I, but I love when the answer's followed up by, but our kids wouldn't let us stay home. <laughs> our kids wanted to be here. Let's be a church where we don't hinder the ch children from coming to Jesus. And I'm not going to make this a plug for recruiting kids ministry, but I'm not going to miss the opportunity either to say that maybe blue would look good on you yeah. and maybe God is tugging at your heart to get involved and be a part of the kids' ministry here at Mount Hope. We've got some positions that need filling. We've got some classrooms that need people in them. Not because it's easy, not because it's convenient. You know, it's going to take you longer. You might have to be here. You're going to be, be here for two services because you're going to serve one and attend one. Your Sunday is going to be longer. You're going to have to invest time during the week. I'm not asking you to do something because it's convenient. I'm asking if God is asking you to do something because children shouldn't be hindered in coming to Jesus that we should be in a place that is constantly making space so that we don't have to say, I'm sorry, we don't have a class today for your kids because we couldn't get anyone to staff it. That we have enough people in here that can staff those classes and make sure there's a place for those kids to come to. So as a church, we want to be welcoming. We want to be the church that sees more of this. We saw on Tuesday night which is Nicholas Suber getting baptized. There's Nicholas over there, six years old, got baptized. Nick, you don't have to come up, buddy, but we are excited for you. 
getting baptized on Tuesday night, giving his life to the Lord and saying, I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus this way. We want to be that kind of church. Let me finally give a word to parents. Because maybe you're a parent in here and you've got kids who are older. They're out of kids' ministry. And you're here in church this morning and you wish your kids were in church this morning. You're here in church this morning and your kids may live in another part of the country, but you know whatever they're doing on Sunday morning, they're probably not sitting in a church and you wish they were. And he said, what does this passage have to say to me? And I would say, I think very clearly, this passage says, keep bringing your kids to Jesus. Keep bringing your kids to Jesus. You keep getting up every morning and bringing their name before Jesus in prayer. Because you're never not a dad. You're never not a mom, are you? It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how far away they are. I had a couple of text message conversations this week with friends of mine who both have kids going to college this week. And one said, you know, my, um, what are you doing tomorrow? He said, I'm moving my daughter into a, a, a three, four walk up in Boston so she can go to school. And he said, I'm too old for this. And, but you're never not a dad. You're going to do it. And another drove his daughter to college in New York, drove there, dropped her off, drove back, only to get a call saying she tested positive for COVID. He had to drive back to New York, pick her up, drive back here. And it's like, why do you do it? Because she's your kid and you're a dad and you're going to do it. No matter how old they are, keep bringing your kids to Jesus. Don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. You keep bringing them to the Lord in prayer. Say, God, they're yours. God, you care about them even more than I do. God, you love them even more than I do. Keep bringing your kids to Jesus. We're going to move into a communion time in a moment, but before we do, the team's going to lead us in a song. And the song is called Run to the Father. And here's what I want you to do as they lead us. I want you to think about this. What does it mean to approach God with that childlike heart. Have you gotten too old to follow Jesus? Because we're always supposed to be getting younger following Jesus, becoming more like children, recognizing that we are fully dependent on him more and more. The older I get, the more I realize how dependent I am on God. Have you gotten to the place where you are, your heart has gotten hard? And you need to, in this song, when we sing Run to the Father, say, God, I need you to soften my heart. I need more of a shapeable heart. I need more of a heart that is soft to your touch. And as they sing this song, and as we're going to come to communion in a moment, I'd ask you to invite the Lord just to prepare your heart. Have you lost the wonder around what these symbols mean? Because children wonder at everything, don't they? I mean, everything is a surprise and amazing. And we come here every month and we take these two elements and we talk about a God. God who left heaven, who came down to earth to live a life, to show us how to live, to lay down his life, to give his life for you. And then he rose again from the dead and we just take it like it's ordinary. Would you ask God to restore the wonder of what it means, of what he's done for you? 
that we would be childlike when we come to God and as we approach this communion cup in a few moments. Lord, lead us. Speak to us. Show us those places where we need to be more soft towards you. Because you said, it's such as these. When someone comes like a child, that's who the kingdom of heaven belongs to. And so where we come to you as a father, children running to you as our heavenly father.